Alright, so I am going to actually read the second chapter of my first book. It is titled Trauma Continues. What it starts off with is a screenshot of a text message. The screenshot is from a text message from my abuser's mom. She had texted me and said, you need to quit your lying about, and then I covered up his name, how you're the poor little victim. Why are you even living in my town and associating with my friends? I had actually told her that she needed to leave me alone and stop harassing me. She then followed with, we're not, there was supposed to be a yard sale out there. Stay out of my life. You're the one stalking. Now, it is very interesting because even the police officer said that she was out stalking where we lived. Um, it was the first time that I had ever actually made a police report and that I had ended up filing a PPO against her not shortly after. Let's jump forward to present day really quick. I work with victims in my current job. No, I work with survivors because that is what we really are. I work at a domestic violence shelter in our county seat and I work half of my week in the prosecuting attorney's office. I get to help the women who come in find peace and get some control back in their life. I help them prepare their PPO and get it to the clerk's office. I help them get to the sheriff's department so the abuser can be served. I go to court with these survivors if their abuser decides that they want to contest the PPO, and we definitely do plenty of safety planning and preparing. It may just be a piece of paper, but it holds so much power for survivors to take their control back. This is their way of knowing that they are holding their own power and control and that they are doing something to protect themselves, finally. My family and I used to live across town three years ago, which would be three years since I split from my abuser. We were in the middle of remodeling a house we were planning on moving into. I was driving back to the old house when I saw my abuser's mother's significant other, who we will call Roger for the time being. He was driving through town. He slowed down and I felt my chest tighten because I was terrified this meant that they were looking for me. I could see him eyeing me and make sure it was me. Sure enough, I knew I was right. Maybe they weren't looking for me right then, but once Roger had seen me, he ran back to my abuser's mother, who we will call Cruella, and had to leave, or had to tell her. I Next thing I knew, about 15 minutes later, I see Cruella and Roger driving through our own little community, searching for our house, because you could see them searching through their car windows and slowing down in our mailbox. We finished moving that week, and I was relieved because I thought that we would be clear of them finally. Shortly after the move, I received a letter in the mail. I had worked in a prison before, so I could tell the envelope itself did not come from the prison. Our previous mailing address was written in Corella's handwriting, and it had no return address on it. Inside was a letter from my abuser from the prison he was at. He wanted to co-parent and preach that he loved the boys that we had together and that he wanted his rights back. Where were my rights, though? My rights to protect my children. When personal protection infringes on safety and the well-being of others, it's not right. That's a privilege, and it's a privilege that he willingly gave up. How was he expecting to co-parent from prison? Was I to call him or write him and inform him of things going on and he could tell me his thoughts, even though he knows nothing about my boys? or their personalities, or how they have been coping with the last couple of years, or the things that they had to overcome specifically because of him. I ignored that letter and pretended like I never got it since the mail was forwarded to the new address. After 2.5 years from receiving that letter, in reference to the text screenshot at the beginning of the section, I was home from work, which is rare for me on a Friday. I was sitting at the kitchen table and I heard a truck coming down our dead end street. I didn't think much of it at first, but then I looked out the window and it was Corolla's truck. At first she drove by slowly and then when she came back around she slowed down our mailbox. I was shaking because of how much anger I had racing through my body. I got online on White Page's website, not my proudest moment, and looked up her number. 
I left her voicemail informing her this was her only warning to finally leave us alone. The next thing I received was the text in the screenshot previously shared. You know, I never cared what my abuser's family thought of me, but it just broke me down getting that twisted text. How can someone be told that they're lying and that they aren't a victim when Cruella had even walked on him choking me at one time? This is exactly why so many people just stay in relationships and stay quiet because of horrid people like this. How can someone be so blind? What hypocrisy she was showcasing since she kicked him out of her home on that violent night. How can someone be okay with their child almost killing their biological grandchild or just any child or human being at that? How can someone tell you they're living in their town as if they exclusively own a small community? How can someone be mad that you happen to know the same people? How can someone lie about why they are stalking your house when you see them slow down with your own eyes and take pictures? How can someone lie even when the officer that responded to my 911 call to make a report stated that there were no yard sale signs out in our area, no signs? It had been raining all morning. Everyone on our lake had no power due to the storms that came through the previous days. I tried to shrug it off, though, because I had said my piece in my voicemail with my text back. It had become just another day of waking up to fight the same demons that had continued to drain and exhaust me. Sorry, you guys. I have to do a quick little 30-second ad. I had buried so much hate and anger so deep inside of myself, and I had tried to cover it up with smiles and pushing forward. I began raising two kids on my own, and that was never the plan. It was so much better knowing that my kids and I were safe, though I went through years of emotional, mental, and physical abuse, as well as other kinds. I was constantly cheated on and made to feel crazy and like I was losing my mind. The family that I had become a part of was no better than my abuser. Full of lies, constant manipulation, even telling me I could do better, but making my life a living hell when I tried to. For the first two years of Jane and I dating, I still flinched when he came towards me too quickly. I still wouldn't let my walls down even after we had our daughter. I would never accept help of any kind because I told myself that I had done it on my own before, so I still could and I would. It took me the first three years of my relationship with Jaden to finally let him close to me, and to this day even, I struggle in certain aspects. I will still catch myself reverting back, and he's so patient and kind, even though I know he must be frustrated. I clearly remember the last time I saw my abuser. He held me by the throat when I was trying to get away. Despite my fear for myself, my only concern was that one of the boys was still in the car downstairs in the parking lot. I was fighting and clawing and finally got away. He packed a bag and left. The moment I saw my abuser leaving the boys and I, I broke my heart into a million pieces. I kept thinking that if he couldn't love me, then no one would. He finally left, and I didn't try to stop him. I used to wake up every day grateful for my boys, yet still thinking that they should have a better mom. I kept thinking that anyone would be better for them than me, so I'd wake up wishing I had never woken up. But now, free from that power and control, I wake up every day grateful for my life and everyone in it. I would not have made it this far without Jaden, and for that I'm forever grateful. Once again, over half a decade later from when everything first started with my abuser being convicted, and almost three years after the first harassment of Cruella, we're dealing with my abuser through his family, third-party trauma continuing. My anxiety was back sky high, and I was watching the road constantly when I go home, obsessively fearing that I would see one of their vehicles go by again fearing that I would have to call the cops again since when it happened the last time I had finally called the cops. I should have called the cops the first time, and especially after I got that letter from prison, but I didn't. 
but for once, I had taken the situation into my own hands and put my foot down to protect my family. I still constantly listened as vehicles went by, and I found myself holding my breath when I saw a vehicle that resembled theirs. My anxiety made me not want to leave the house again. I felt myself reverting, and memories were back to giving me nightmares, memories that I had buried so deep. I was not a victim. I was a survivor. But my demons were back, and I was fighting them again, just like before. I would rise higher than them, leaving my home in spite of my fear, empowered me, my children, and the survivors I so diligently advocate for every day. Now let's go back a couple of years. Now, like I said, that's the second chapter of my first book. I will, once a week, read another section, and I'll continue this for the first book, the second book, and eventually the third book. I hope you guys have an amazing day, and I hope that this gives you some type of insight and perspective as to how domestic violence really affects people.